So ahead of Mother's Day, I wanted to do a podcast for for moments that's helped me through, I guess, motherhood. Interviews that we have done that's just stuck out. And this has been over the last 12 years, so many, many years. And this is one interview that I just remember. Um, he probably doesn't remember, so he joins me now. Dr. Michael Carr Gregg, who's a child and adolescent psychologist. Morning. G'day, how are you? Now, you don't need to remember the chat. I know you speak to everyone. You're one of the highest profile psychologists in the country. But something that I've really struggled with, with I guess, there's a saying that goes around that when you're at work, you pretend you don't have children. And when you're home, you pretend you don't have a job. And it's just always been that, that I say mother's guilt, and I know that it can be parent guilt. And it's always this thing of going, I don't really have enough time. And there was one chat that I had with you that just really stuck out and it relieved a lot of guilt for me. And that was the eight-minute importance. Do you remember that? I do. Eight minutes a day. Eight minutes a day. Now, this is if, if you are, you know, busy with your job, if you're busy with the kids, and even if you've got multiple kids, this is always stuck out. Can you explain to people what the eight minutes is? Yeah, what the research shows is that just spending eight minutes a day with a child where you get down to their eye level, you ask them about their day, feedback to them what it is they say to you, that's actually enough. If you just can put down your devices, spend that eight minutes a day, that's been a great parent, a good enough parent. Yeah, but that's the thing is because we're all trying to be like, you know, perfect and thinking that we need to be there for for everything. And I even think with the invites that come through the school, you're like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be – I'm working when you have to read the books to them at school or I'm working when it's, you know, they're cross-country. That we're always, I guess, kicking ourselves for not being there enough. But what is the the quality time? Because this is one thing that I've always had to remind myself of. It is putting down the phone. It is actually having that eye contact. Yeah, look, it's really tuning in to what the child says to you in response to um, how you're going. And to do that, you have to basically focus and you can't be distracted. Listen carefully to what they say and then very gently feed it back to them by saying, so what you're saying is, and that gives them an opportunity to clarify. And if you don't understand what they're saying, a really neat um, Mother's Day phrase is, hey, you help me understand a little bit more about that. Mm. Because I feel like... um, I I know this was probably when it's getting to adolescence and I've got three boys and seeing them now grow up, they reflect a lot of qualities in myself that I don't like. I'm at that point Mm. where you go, I feel like, oh, my God, I do lose my temper so much. And when I see them losing their temper so much, you go, oh, my God, that's an attribute of of mine. You do get that little bit of a a, a mirror happening, don't you? You do. Um, Look, mum guilt is that feeling that you're not doing enough as a parent. It's it's feelings of guilt and shame when you feel that you're not living up to your own or other people's expectations of your role. And what you have to do is take a deep breath, step back and recognise that there is no such thing as a perfect parent. You can only do what you can do with the time that you've got. But the key is to transmit one simple message to kids and that is that they feel safe valued and listened to when they're with you. Why do you think mums do get that guilt? Because 
oh, if I'm going away for work, you know, I'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'll have everything laid out for the, the boys and I'll always feel, oh. And then if husband goes away for work, I'll go, oh, do you feel really guilty? He's like, well, I'm not going to the casino. I'm not going to the pub for 24 hours. I'm actually going away to work. Why is it that we sort of take on that extra guilt? So it's a cognitive distortion. It's an internal dialogue that tells you you're failing as a caregiver. And the most common trigger to that is going back to work, for example, after maternity leave or trying to juggle day-to-day tasks with parenting responsibilities. So you actually just have to hold yourself for a second, be aware of the messages that you're sending yourself and ask yourself, are they fair and reasonable or are you in fact picking up on, you know, the mummy bloggers and the <laughs> people who put, put themselves out there as yeah. being the perfect parent? It's when you always look at Instagram and you're like, oh my God, there's so many different ways that we can compare ourselves to each other that we're always looking for that way that we've failed as opposed to the way that we've actually achieved something or we've actually handled something well. Spot on. So in order to get around this, you've got to, first of all, identify the source of the things that are causing you to feel this guilt or shame and show yourself some self-compassion. Be kind to yourself. Remember, you're doing the best that you can with the resources that you have and challenge those negative beliefs. Reframe those thoughts and focus on the positive aspects of your parenting. When did it go well? What are the things you can celebrate? You've spoken to so many children, I guess, and adolescents, you know, one-on-one being able to, to, to help them. How do you start the conversation and keep it going? Because when kids get back in the car and you go, how was your day? And you go, good. And you go, oh, okay, cool. They're not really talking. But it's trying to get that conversation. And some, sometimes I've even faked doing a fart in the car when one of the kids were really grumpy getting in because then they laugh and then you sort of, you know, <laughs> break the ice and be able to have a conversation. What's your tips, I guess, for keeping them talking to you constantly, especially during the adolescent phase? Well, I'm going to use the fake fart uh, technique now across <laughs> okay. Australia. So thanks, Abby, for <laughs> That's that. That's all right. Pleasure. Um, what, you, what you have to recognise is developmentally, there comes a phase when in their life they're trying to get independence and autonomy and they're not that kind of motivated to share aspects of their life with you. Now, you can get round that by talking while doing something together. So it might be baking a cake, it might be kicking a footy. But the best thing to remember is that the information flow, particularly with boys, is going to be much easier if you're not staring into their face. It's much better when you're doing something that they're enjoying and then the intimacy and the messages can be shared amidst activity. Very true. The last thing I wanted to ask is about... Uh, it used to always be bullying, you know, when I was at school and I guess, you know, until just recently, where now the number one concerned with the kids is anxiety. And that could be for many reasons. I guess us as adults are, are dealing with anxiety more and like getting back to that mirror thing, they're actually seeing it and picking up on it. Have you noticed that that is such more of a movement now where young kids are dealing with anxiety where they never were or maybe not even talking about it 20 years ago? Well, there's no doubt that the number of referrals um, that I'm getting for anxiety has quadrupled since I was um, pre-pandemic, for sure. Uh, The thing is that everybody experiences anxiety. As a parent, what you've got to be on the lookout for is when that anxiety interferes with four things. Does it interfere with their friendships, 
their schooling, their spark, the thing that they love doing, art, music, dance, drama, sport, and most importantly, does it interfere with their capacity to move away from you, to be autonomous? In other words, is the separation anxiety overwhelming? If you can tick some or all of those boxes, then it's possible that you've got an anxiety disorder and that needs to be assessed professionally and treated. There's something to be said about taking care of yourself before you take care of others. You know when you get on a plane and they're like, make sure you fit your mask before you fit someone (laughs) else's. Have you noticed having treating kids that to have, you know, a healthy mentally um, adult does obviously benefit the child? Kids don't exist in a vacuum. So you've got to look at parents often in terms of, well, are they meeting their needs for sleep, diet and exercise? Do they actually have an opportunity to be with their girl gang or guy gang? Um, Because you need friendship. The greatest predictor for adult well-being is not being good-looking or having lots of money. It's actually having a rich repertoire of friends. And so often people get so busy that they start neglecting themselves and that's not good for the kids. Mm. I wanted to get you on because I I mean this from the bottom of my heart. When I first started this job and I was came back to work after two weeks of maternity leave because I knew all the answers because I hadn't had a child before and everyone said that I wasn't able to do it. So I was like, oh, my God, I've got to prove them wrong. But looking back now, I would have had like um, postnatal depression because I felt like I was never able to, I guess, comfort or never able to be the best mum because he was always crying. But so many chats that I had with you over the years of how to have healthy, you know, children has, has really stuck with me. And that eight minutes a day, it it wasn't trivial to me because it actually meant that I could could do something and, you know, sit there with each one of them and I've done that eight minutes a day to make sure that I've checked in with them and actually connected with them and it's meant so much to me. So from the bottom of my heart, I actually want to say, and I get really emotional about it, saying thank you so much for helping me on my journey, I guess, through motherhood. It's been my absolute pleasure and the fact that none of your kids are incarcerated shows that it worked. Yeah, well, that's not yet, you know what I mean? Like, you haven't spoken to them, so let's not wait for the future. But Yeah. No, but I just want to say thank you so much. Um, Dr. Carr, um, Carr Greg, it has meant a really lot over the years. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Stab Abby and Matt on B105.